Welcome to the Church of Philadelphia podcast. Get ready for this message to ignite your faith as the power and love of God is shared through his word. Now y'all know with me, y'all get to be some gymnast regardless of your age, your weight, or your flexibility. We're going to flip over to the book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, land a perfect 10 on chapter number 22, starting at verse number 1. So 2 Samuel, chapter number 22, verse number 1. Amen. If you can indulge me, but let's honor God. Please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Amen. And here begins the reading of God's holy word. It says, And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock, and him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. You can be seated in the presence of the living God and the title of the text that we're going to be working with on today is simply put, The Lord is worthy to be praised. Come on, you ought to tell somebody he's worthy to be praised now. Doesn't matter what you've been dealing with, doesn't matter what you've been challenged with, doesn't matter what you've been struggling with, he's still worthy to be praised. Amen. Because you got to understand when we talk about God being worthy, this is worth that we're ascribing to this great persona that is in heaven, this great person, that is God Almighty that is in heaven. We're saying he is worthy to be praised. Things may not be the way you like them to be, uh, uh, but he's still worthy to be praised. Life might have thrown you some curveballs, but you still have to understand God is still worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. And I pray this is going to make sense to you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. As we're pressing through our current sermon series, we've been talking about encounter. We've been talking about encounter. Amen. And as we look at, let's take a look at these definitions so to remind ourselves of what we've been talking about. When we say encounter, encounter definition number one defines it as to meet as an adversary or enemy, to gauge in conflict with, right? So when you're having this conflict where you're meeting an enemy, engaging them face to face, and definition number two defines it as to come upon face to face a pleasant meeting so talk about you know when we meet God face to face you know when we're seeking God and God allows us to find him where we have this opportunity to encounter God and I'm reminded in Exodus 33 and 11 how it talks about how the Lord spoke to Moses as a friend in other words that face to face encounter definition number three defines it as to come upon or experience especially unexpectedly encounter difficulties to meet especially by chance so and I like that to come upon or experience especially unexpectedly right and so that's what we'll begin to see when we go back to this particular passage of scripture right and so as we dig into this this second Samuel chapter number 22 let's 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 look at a little bit of the history or, or build some foundation before we get going right when you go over to chapter number 21 chapter number 21 in this same book. Now it starts off by talking about there was a famine in the land and for three years, so year after year after year, there was a famine for three lands. Now imagine if there was a famine, this is actually a fight or this is actually a war for survival, right? We're trying to figure out how we're going to survive, how we're going to make it through this drop where there is no food, where there is no water, and, and people may be struggling, you know, to, to actually provide for their families. And so you understand when, when provision seems to be out of sight, right, we tend to lose focus on what we're going to do. We tend to act a little crazy. You understand what I'm saying? Because we're trying to figure out how we're going to provide, you know, or bring about provision for our households. And so understand that, that the entire kingdom is suffering. It's not just a couple of people, but the kingdom, the nation of Israel itself is actually suffering because there was a famine that is in the land for three years. And the Bible talks about how David inquired of the Lord and see when you have a drought, when you have a famine, whether it's a drought and there's a lack of water, whatever the case may be, we need somebody that has the ability to go and inquire of the Lord and seek out the answer that God will begin to speak about. And the Lord spoke to David and told him the reason the family is because of the blood that was shed by King Saul prior to David uh, ascending to the throne. And so understand, as you matriculate through this particular chapter, chapter number 21, it, it talks about how, you know, 
these Gibeonites, they wanted justice for what was done. And, and because Saul, he failed to honor his word. He said he would spare them. He said he would look out for them, basically put, right? He would look out for them. And he, he went against his word and he began to kill some of these men, these people, right? And so because of this bloodshed, because he went back on his word, failed to honor his word, this is what brought about this famine in the land. And so now these Gibeonites are saying, okay, listen, we want justice because Saul told us he was going to, you know, spare us. He was going to allow was to be you know under the protection of Israel he went against his word and began to kill some of these people right and so there's a woman by the name of Rispa, you know, that, 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 that uh, as these men were killed she covers the body of these particular people because David then gives these seven people that these given nights are asking for will give us seven sons of Saul so we can take our adventures out upon them right and David he he used to this he gives up the seven sons allowed them to take their vengeance upon them and then there's a daughter named Rispa right she begins to cover these face and she sits there day and night she's fighting off the birds and fighting off the wild animals throughout the day and throughout the night and, and David hears about what this woman is doing and they take the bones and they uh, take them away and they bury all these different things right so then you you move down through the chapter comes a point where they're upset about you know Saul's bones are not there and David and his men they go and fetch the bones of Saul and his sons Jonathan bones and with seven other men who were slain with them from the Philistines right and they bring them and they bury him then when you get round about verse number 15 right this becomes interesting think about it three years of famine we haven't had time to recoup as of yet but but war is still constantly all around us you know how the scripture talks about we're, we're pressed on every side right uh, you, you, so war is on every side you got to imagine this when you think there is going to be a, a break you actually don't get a break the enemy is constantly fighting you trying to wear you out tell somebody the enemy is trying to wear you out the enemy is trying to wear you out so now when you get down to verse 15 there is indeed another war right with the philistines right and, and, and again now what makes this interesting when we get to this this particular part of the uh, chapter in verse number 21 there is a war right and, and and again in this war there comes the relatives of goliath remember goliath the giant that david slain now, and you have one thing that you have to keep in mind at this particular juncture of scripture, David is actually in his old age. And so when we go back over to chapter number 22, chapter 22 is actually recording some of the last words of David before he actually gives up the ghost or before he actually dies. Right. So now think about that. Keep in mind, David is in his old age. And once they get into this first war, this first war, there was a giant. Right. And, and David, because he's in his old age, he's not accustomed. You know, he doesn't have, I'll say like, he doesn't have the same strength he once had when he was a younger man, right? And so David is growing weak. He's growing tired while in the midst of this war, right? And one of the giants by the name of Ishbibinab, 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 right? He attempts to kill David. But in, the, in his attempt to kill David, one of David's men actually sees what's taking place and he takes the giant out before he has an opportunity to kill David. Now, at this particular point, David is, he's very, very vulnerable. Uh, uh, he's at a vulnerable place because he's weak, he's tired, right? And you got to think, in the midst of all this uproar, this giant has the ability to see him, spot him out, and he's making moves to go to actually kill him. But thanks be unto God that one of David's men actually sees what is transpiring and he steps and he intervenes and he kills the giant right now this is this is verse number 15 and, and verse number 16 right it's giving us the first war then as soon as we fall down in verse number 18 we're as after they have ended this war and what happens after the first war? i want to get ahead of myself they tell david the men tell us they say david this was your last war going out you represent the light of israel right and so we don't want the light of israel to be snuffed out meaning david if we lose you in battle then the light you are our king then the light of israel is going to be snuffed out so this is your last time going into battle we just need you to be our king and you know whenever there is war me the men will go out and we'll take care of what needs to be taken care of Right. So that's the first battle. When you fall down into verse number 18, we fall into the second war. The second war is at Gob, a place called Gob. Right. And here you find a second giant coming forth. Right. This giant is named Saf. 
right? And he's this this giant. So again, it's not just any type of war. We're engaged in warfare, but there was a giant in the midst of these battles that is taking place, right? Uh, you talk about when the enemy will bring something from your past, right? Something that you dealt with before, something that you slain before, but the enemy is bringing this thing back up that make you feel as if you were not victorious and make you feel like, listen, this thing is going to keep uh, coming back in your life, right? So understand, this is the first war at Gath. It's the second war, but the first war that is in this place called Gob, right? Then when you fall down into verse number 19, there was yet the third war in the same place called Gob, right? And then there was a third giant. This giant is actually the brother of Goliath. So imagine this giant actually has thoughts of revenge on his mind. I, I, I want to kill David because he killed my brother. You understand? I want to kill David because he's killed two of my cousins per se. We can just, we could just uh, 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 guesstimate that these other two giants might have been in the same family, right? They're coming from the same lineage, the same lineage, right? So we can just say, safely say they're the cousins of Goliath, right? So so this other giant who is actually known or labeled to be the actual brother of Goliath, he appears in the third war. And so imagine he has revenge on his mind. His people have been defeated twice already, right? And we're now in the third war. And so understand, King David is not dead because the men told him, listen, at the first war, that's your last time going at the battle. But you've got to understand the mindset of these giants. We're going to damage, damage. I'm going to take out as many as I possibly can. I'm going to kill as many as I possibly can, right? So after you move from this third war, you didn't drop down to verse number 20, right? Verse number 20, we didn't find ourselves entering to the fourth war. Keep in mind, three years of famine which is actually a war for survival, for us to actually survive because without the necessary resources, talking about the food and talking about the water, right? So not only we've had this war for survival because of these three years of famine, but we've had literal wars that have taken place. And upon these literal wars, there have actually been giants that we have had to act to fight, right? So now when we move into this fourth war, right? When you fall down into verse number 20, it talks about this giant. Uh, the scripture describes him as having six fingers on each hand and six fingers on or six toes on each foot right having 24 when you count them all together 24 fingers and 24 toes right uh, that basically put add them up all together is what i'm saying hands and toes that's how they describe this particular giant so again something that we've defeated prior to because you have to think david slew Goliath, right? Even when the the armies, the Philistines and the nation of Israel were in opposition, direct opposition across from one another, right? No army made a move, right? And this is where Goliath, he was known as the, the Philistine champion. All the battles he had fought, he won, right? And so basically put, we'll put your best fighter against our fighter. Now, think about this here. The Philistines didn't approach it this way this time, right? We're not sending out our giant or our so-called champion against your best uh, a fighter. No, we're going to allow our giant to remain within our ranks and we're going to move out as an army against your army. This is what's taking place. And so you got to understand there were some men when they see the sheer height of these giants and, and when you study the height of these giants they stood about nine feet tall. Some of them could have been taller, right? But just looking at, when I think about somebody like Shaq, right? Or, or, or Yao Ming or, 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 or this other guy, Wimpin Yama that's getting ready to come into the league, seven foot four. Think that is so tall to somebody like me who stands only five foot nine. All right, that is so tall. But to think someone who's nine foot tall with with with, with a couple inches added onto this, that's 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 that is a lot to take in. Thank you. That is a lot to actually take in, right? When you see a, a, a human being of this magnitude, of this 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 towering height, that is a lot to actually take in. Not only that, when you're just looking at the literal height of the individual, but I'm looking at the height of this individual. But this individual is clothed in armor. This individual has a massive weapon in their hand, a massive shield that is guarded to protect them. That is approaching us in battle. Matter of fact, if, if you're like me. When you understand the spear or the sword that is in the hand of the giant, before I even get close to you, I can reach out and touch you. You got to understand. <laughs> if, if I was the giant, I don't really necessarily have to actually engage you physically. I can reach out and touch you before we actually engage one another because of his 
arm length because of his reach, we should call it, right? So think about that. When you think about even in boxing or even in fighting, uh, a person who typically has the arm reach, right, they typically have what they call a slight advantage because for the person whose reach is a little bit shorter, they'll have a hard time getting past the longer reach of the individual, right? And so, so think about this giant because they're taller, the wingspan, right? When you think about some of these NBA players who are 6'8 and 6'9 who stretch out their arms like this, their wingspan stretches over, over 10, 10, 7 to 10 to 10 feet long, right? So, so understand a giant who's over nine feet tall, imagine what his wingspan is going to be out. Imagine what his reach is going to actually be. So before he actually engages people, he's gonna, he has the ability to take most of them out before he actually engages, right? So if it was me and I had a giant, I'm, I'm going to strategically use this giant uh, and utilize his reach to our advantage. So, so again, keep in mind, these are some of David's last words. We just had three years of famine. And after having three years of famine, which is basically denoted as a war for survival uh, because of the lack of resources, we're now having four literal wars. So simply put, five wars that the nation of Israel has just endured five wars. Four of these wars had giants, something that we've seen before, something that we've slain before, but has come back again to rear his head again and, and, and to come after us again, to try to take us out again, right? And so we go into chapter number 22, and we say the title of the text is The Lord is Worthy to be Praised, right? And, and, and we gave you that definition for encounter, right? If we can look at this definition one more time for encounter, I want to show you something in definition number three. Uh, it says to come upon or experience especially unexpectedly. To experience especially unexpectedly. Now, what I'm talking about in this encounter, we, we, when, when David begins to write this psalm or write this song, he's, these are some of the last words that are recorded for King David in his, in his old age, right? And in this song, this is what the Bible says. He said, and David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. So David has reason. He has a reason that he's writing this song. And, and we took the title of this text out of verse number four, right? So the Lord is worthy to be praised. And when you think about anything that is worthy, we are ascribing worth or we're ascribing the value to that thing or to that person. And so in this uh, situation, we're ascribing worth or value to God. We're saying how valuable God is or, or, or how we recognize the value of who God is in our lives right and so this is why David said the Lord is worthy to be praised and when we talk about praise we understand praise there are different variations or different forms or different types of praise hence the faces of praise we're encountering God through the faces of praise right uh, so we understand that there are different types of praise different ways you can praise God right but praise when you break it down is this mere celebration uh, a celebration unto God. So when we say we praise God, we're saying we celebrate God. We're saying we're raising or lifting God higher than any or any other thing or any person, right? We're lifting God higher, making God be higher than every other thing because inside of the word praise, you will find the word raise, meaning to lift something or lift someone up. And that's what we're doing as we celebrate God, right? Praise also means to celebrate as we celebrate God because celebration, I don't know the last time you had a celebration except for those of y'all that like to dwell with pity parties right a party of one right that's not really a celebration you understand what i'm saying but a celebration it is going to be about excitement it is going to be about joy uh, happiness is going to be on display and this is what we're talking about when we give god praise we should be excited there should we should be full of joy joyful as we make a joyful noise unto the lord in this celebration what we deem to be praise and the scripture says and david spake unto the lord uh the words of this song, right? Now, this word words is, is defined simply as a matter, a matter. And when you talk about matter, it's a subject that is under consideration. God, I want you to take in consideration my praise. I, I, I think about it, God, I'm coming out of a war, God, where I almost lost my life. Do, do you know somebody, can you relate, where you've been in a war, whether it's a spiritual battle, whether it's a physical battle, a mental battle, an emotional battle, whatever the case may be, some type of war. I can define what is a war for you, but I know there have been many days where I had a mental war. I was engaged in mental warfare. 
where I was fighting for my mind to stay, you know, intact, where I didn't want to lose my mind, or I was fighting to keep my heart fixed on the Lord, or I was fighting against this thing that we call flesh, not to move and operate in my flesh, but to remain spiritual, to remain holy, to stay in a place of righteousness before God. You got to understand, it was a war that I've been fighting. You got to understand whether it's here in my mind, whether it's in my heart, or whether it's against this flesh, but a war, a war, a war, nonetheless is what I'm saying. And what I'm talking about, it, I got this war that I've been dealing with, God, I need you to take this under consideration. The words that I'm expressing to you, even though I'm engaged in warfare, God, I still have the presence of mind to let you know, God, you're worthy of the praise, God. Uh, while I'm fighting, God, with my sword, meaning the word of God, with my free hand, I'm going to say, God, you're still worthy of the praise. You got to understand, I want God to know that he's still worthy of the praise. And this is what you got to understand. There are moments while you're engaged in warfare or moments while you are engaged in battle that you don't necessarily feel victorious. You understand? You might not feel as if you're winning. And in that moment where I do not feel victorious because I cannot see what the outcome of this actual war is going to be as of yet, I still the giant. Nobody has slayed the giant yet. So I don't know if we're going to actually come out of this victorious or not. But in the middle of this not even feeling victorious, I still want you to know, God, you are worthy to be praised, God. So I want you to consider the subject matter, God. This is what David's saying, God. Consider the reason that I'm writing this song, God. Consider the reason that I'm offering my praise up unto you, God, because when I look back over my life, God, and see how you brought me over, see what you brought me out of, see how you delivered me, see how you intervened, God, see how you kept me, God, see how you went and fought my battle for me, God, and called it my victory, God. I want you to know that you are worthy to be praised, God. So this is what I'm saying, God. These words, God, I want you to take in under consideration, God. Think about what I'm writing, God, as I write this song to you, God. Let it mean something to you, God. Like you told me, if it means something to you, it should move you. I want it to be the same way with you, God. Consider these words, God. Let it mean something to you, God, that it moves you, God, based upon that I'm writing, God, an indication of my description of who you are. I want you to see how David is going to give us a bunch of descriptive words describing God or who God has been to him, right? And so the Bible says, and they bespake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hands of all of his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And so, so David is reminded of when his father-in-law was trying to take him out, right? Uh, 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 it, David didn't make his father-in-law become the way that he's with jealousy, right? It, David was willing to submit himself to Saul, his father father-in-law but because of the jealousy that rose up in the heart of Saul he was trying to kill the man but tell somebody God still got a plan even when those that are close to me are trying to take me I got still got a plan for my life he still chose me whether you don't understand it whether you don't like it whether you don't want to get along with it he still chose me I'm still his choice tell somebody I'm still his choice and you can't change that no matter what you say no matter what you do you cannot change what God said I'm still his choice even though you were set out to try to kill me because of your envy because of jealousy you still cannot change what God has said I'm still his choice and, and, and when we get past Saul when we get past those family members those people that are close to us right that are trying to take us out then this everybody else it's the all of the other enemies David is saying this is why I'm grateful this is why I'm thankful this is why you're worthy of the praise because not only did you deliver me out of the hand of Saul but you delivered me out of the hands of all my enemies all me all do you deliver me out of the hands of all of my enemies God and when they thought they had me, you made a way. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? When your back was up against the wall and, and you look to your left and you look to your right, but there was no way. But suddenly God created a way because he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And if he can create the heaven and the earth, surely he has enough power to create a way for me to get up out of this situation where my back is up against the wall. Where I was almost about to stumble and fall and, and mess up my witness. Listen, he made a way. Where I was about to fall prey to my enemies, God made a way. I was about to fall short. You listen, you, you ever been engaged in warfare and you drop your sword or you might have dropped your shield and you left yourself uncovered and you were not completely protected, right? You became vulnerable. But all I'm saying is there were points in your life you were vulnerable. See, most of y'all, you don't know, know nothing about that, about being vulnerable because you're too afraid to confess truth about yourself. I'm talking about when you're confessing truth about yourself and, and to some of the people that you're confessing to, you don't know whether or not you can actually trust them to handle the truth that you just believe because you know 
know people will take things that you said about yourself because they have tried and they have tried and they have tried to try again to figure out ways to make you look bad, to make you fall short of what God has said about you, right? So they'll try to take your own testimony and go and twist your own testimony or take your truth and twist your truth and try to make you look bad. I'm talking about the time that you got vulnerable, right? Left yourself uncovered, right? Well, the enemy thought he had you, but tell somebody, God kept me. Even when I allowed myself to become vulnerable and I told them the truth because I was not going to allow myself to be bound by the opinion of people. I said, listen, because the Bible said it's the truth that I know that makes me free. And the Bible says, whom the son sets free is free indeed. I'm free. So regardless of what you think about me, I am going to tell the truth. I'm going to make myself become vulnerable. And I believe that God is going to protect me as I make myself become vulnerable. See, he delivered us out of the hands of all of our enemies. Every last one of them fell. Every last one of them fell, right? So notice, David is asking God to, to take these words or this matter, that being this song, take it under consideration. These words that I'm pinning to, to write this song, take it into consideration. That that I'm speaking about you, God, in the manner that I'm describing you, God, I'm letting you know this is who you've been to me, God. I'm letting you know that I'm grateful and I'm thankful for what you have done, God, because when we praise God, we praise God for what he has done. So think about it. We told you, you can't praise God uh, uh, or think about what God has done long enough and not begin to see God for who he is, right? So, so, so David is writing this song of praise, right? And the more and more you think about this praise that David is putting pen to, right? You begin to see what God has done as David is describing who God is, right? And that's why we say the Lord is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised, right? He then tells us, and he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, right? He's, he's now giving us these descriptive words to describe God showing us through praise what God has done, right? God is my rock. In other words, God was that steady thing, that stable thing, that unmovable thing that has been in my life. You got to understand. And when we talk about rock, rock is simply defined as a sure foundation. He said, listen, when every other foundation was shaking, right? When you think about some of the relationships that you are engaged in a part of, right? When they have become shaky or unstable, I can always look to God. I can always depend on God to be a sure foundation. I know God is going to be a steady rock in my life. I know God is not going to be shaky. God is not going to allow me to actually tip over and fall, but he's going to be a sure foundation for me. Rock is also defined simply as something that gives protection and security. Where, where you again engage in relationships where people should be protecting you and where you should feel secure, where your heart should feel secure, not just your heart, but your mind should feel secure, not just your heart and your mind, but your, 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 your self-esteem and your self-worth should feel secure, right? I know most of y'all are not going to going to be honest, but I'm going to say it for you. You don't feel secure uh, because they don't know how to speak to your self-esteem and they don't know how to speak to your self-worth, right? They make you feel all kind of crazy and you be actually struggling in your mind about your identity and about your self-esteem and about your self-worth because it's coming from some of the people that are supposed to be closest to you about some of the things that they're saying and how they're handling you and how they're treating you. Well, listen, you ain't got to worry about that, but God, God is going to be a rock, a, a sure foundation. He can be a place of protection, right? And a place of security and this is what David is describing. When he had moments in his life, uh, he understood God was a sure foundation. He understood God was a place of security for him. He was a safe place for God. Because think about it, to be a king, right? And before he ascended to the throne, remember, he was on the run from his father-in-law, Saul, right? So he was out there in the wilderness at different times, in places that we would deem to be unsafe or, or wild places, right? Not just in wild places, but dealing with wild scenarios and wild situations he's having to deal with. Because when you think this is wild that your father-in-law you're married to his daughters would you not deem this to be wild you're my father-in-law your family or how, you know how some of y'all say father in love you understand you're my family and the fact that my family's trying to take me out this is wild i can't wrap my mind around this thing you got to understand so i can imagine david was out in this wild place called the wilderness trying to trying to wrap his mind around the fact that his father-in-law or his father in love is actually trying to take him out and, 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 and having a situation or a moment like this, see, he found security or he found safety in God. God was his sure foundation. When all of these other relationships are shaking, they're rocky and unstable, God is a sure foundation. So he said, the Lord is my rock. And, and he said also, he's my fortress. 
fortress. Here's another descriptive word describing God as a fortress. Fortress is defined simply as a fortified place, a fortified place. The only thing that gets in is what God wants or allows to get in. Other than that, we understand God is a fortified place. And see, some of you, you don't feel like you have that protection. Why? Because you have not gotten in God. You understand what I'm saying? You got to get in in God in order for God to become this fortified place or this fortress for you. See, David understood what it was to be in God. See, some of you, you dip your toe, you dip your baby pinky finger in this thing, but no, you got to get your, all of you inside of God. All of you has got to get inside of God. See, some of you, you you've given God your body. He got your body. In other words, you you you, you come to church. You, you got that down pack, right? You'll even give God some praise and, and every now and then if we, if we lucky, we might see you worship. But what we don't understand is why you won't give God your mind and why won't you give God your heart and why can't God have your spirit and why can't God have all of your obedience and why can't God have your yielding why can't God have your submission why can't God have all of those things right there see when you fail to do all of those things you have not given yourself completely to God so we understand you got portions or members of your body inside of God but God wants all of you he 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 he, he, he doesn't want some of you he wants all of you so David said, and he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. He's my fortified place. And he then describes God as my deliverer, right? He's, he's my deliverer. And when you think about the deliverer, think about a male person that, that carries mail. They're, they're taking the mail from one location to another location. They're delivering something from one location to another location. If God is a deliverer, he's letting us know, listen, I have the ability to relocate you out of this place of turmoil, out of this place of uncertainty, out of this place of ambiguity, out of this place where you just don't know what is what right now, out of this place where you struggling to understand why these things are happening to you calling out to me it seemed like you have I have an answer to you but I'm able to deliver you out of this place right and when you talk about deliverance it's talking about to bring to a safe place right so taking you from one location but then bringing you to a safe place that is what God is and this is how David is describing God when he says you're my deliverer you are capable and you have the power the ability to bring me from one place to a safe place the place where I felt unsafe over here God but you have the power God to bring me to a safe place do you know somebody can you relate there are times in your life where you've been engaged or you felt like you've been in an unsafe place right and it's in those moments where you felt like you were in an unsafe place that it caused you to react a certain kind of way right you were just trying to protect yourself oh I nobody gonna be real right there you might have made a mistake in you trying to protect yourself by being in an unsafe place right it's, it's like they say when you got a wild animal backed into a corner right they're gonna start bearing their teeth right because they feel the only way out is to defend themselves right and so I don't know about you there have been times where I felt like I've been backed into a corner like a wild animal right but thanks be unto God God had the power to come and deliver me to pull me out of that place where I felt surrounded where I felt outnumbered where I felt like they had the advantage against me where I felt like they was gonna actually beat me when right and but God with all his power and his ability he was able to deliver me from this unsafe place to a safe place. Uh, so you ought to let God be praised right there. This is why David is saying the Lord is worthy to be praised. You ought to go ahead and let God be praised because David is showing you he's your rock. But not only is he your rock, but he's also your fortress. Not only that, he's also describing God as being your deliverer who has the power to take you from an unsafe place to a safe place. I bless the wonderful name of Jesus. I bless his wonderful name. He then tells us, he said, the God of my rock, the God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou saveth me from violence, right? Even when David gives us this, right? He said, the God of my rock. What he's simply saying is God is my rock, right? He's telling us God is my rock again, denoting that God, he's stable, he's immovable, right? He's a sure thing. God is my rock. He said, in him. 
him will I trust. It's in him will I trust. Trust is simply defined as what? My ability to trust in God, right? And see, some of us struggle when it comes to trusting in God, having this ability to trust in God, right? Uh, and the truth be told, you're struggling because you don't feel like God has proved himself enough. Oh, oh but you got to shake yourself. He's proving himself a thousand times over. You got to understand. Uh, they tell me a picture's worth a thousand words. You ain't necessarily saw a picture of God, but when you go back and picture how he's delivered you time and time again, when you go back and picture how he's brought you out, we can say safely say that a picture's worth a thousand words. Yeah, he's worthy of my praise. He's proven that I can trust in him. Not only that, trust is defined as to confide or hope in God. I can confide in God. I can tell God those secret things about myself, right? And I don't have to worry about God going to disclose those things unless he chooses to disclose it to somebody. You got to understand, right? But I can confide in God, but I can also hope in God. And see, like David, this is where most of us, we struggle. You struggle when it comes to hoping in God. We see because if you don't hope in God, it's an indication that you don't trust God, right? Uh, wow, we can see this because we see you trying to make provision for your own life, right? Rather than you saying, God, I'm going to stand on your word, God, or God, I'm going to trust you to believe that you're going to make a way, God, because you are the creator of the heavens and earth, and I know that you can create a way for my life, or that you are Jehovah Jireh, you are my provider, God. You will cause provision to be seen, not only to be seen, but you will cause provision to be met, God. I will trust in the name of the Lord. I will trust in God to be my rocker. I will trust in him to be my deliverer. I will trust in God to be my fortress. I will trust in God to be the horn of my salvation. I will trust in God to be the provision for my life. I will trust in God to be my peace when I'm struggling, when I feel like I'm dealing with confusion, but I I will trust in God. I will hope in God that he will become my peace. Right? So he says, the God of my rock or God is my rock. In him will I trust. I, I will have the ability to trust in God or I will hope or confide in God. He is my shield, right? Now, when you think about shield, when I got to this portion of the scripture, I was thinking about how the scripture describes God as a shield or a buckler, right? Now, the difference between a shield and a buckler, right? A shield, a shield, a shield. A shield is going to be larger, much, much, much larger than a buckler, right? Denoting the sheer size of a shield. The shield will stand from your shoulder down to your feet. That's the height of a shield, where behind a shield, you can cover your whole body, but when you think about a buckler, imagine my little tablet right here, right? And it's something that is placed upon my arm, right? It's a smaller shield that's meant to actually block blows that comes at me, right? This shield or this buckler allows me to be mobile while being able to block blows on the go, right? Whereas a shield, it's, it's much heavier and it's much larger. But because of the shield, it gives me greater protection. It allows me to hide my entire body behind the protection or the coverage of the shield. So understand if I'm just moving with the buckler, there are some parts or, or some members of my body that may be exposed. Even though I'm mobile, there are some parts of my body that is going to be exposed. But behind the shield, every part of my body is actually covered. And David is saying he is my shield, right? He's protecting me on every side. Every part of me, every piece of me is covered. Not just covered, but it's protected, right? And so you got to understand if, if, if you've been exposed or if you've been hit, could it be that you went with the wrong shield instead of carrying the shield into battle you took your buckler right you felt like well listen i'm gonna be on the offense and the defense when i take this actual buckler right here i'm gonna be mobile being able to block at the same time but being able to strike at the same time listen it's not your time to strike it's your time to block and you gotta allow yourself to actually be covered and protected behind the shield so david understood that it's, it's not my time to strike right it's my time to just be covered right i gotta hide i gotta find myself being protected and covered behind this shield and when the striking comes it will not come by my very own hand but the striking will come by the smiting of the hand of God oh I wish somebody would go ahead and say God smite every last one of my enemies because uh, when God does the striking or when God does the smiting you will not have to worry about that enemy again so I wish you would just go ahead and take cover behind the shield stop allowing yourself to be exposed or stop allowing yourself to be uncovered in certain places of your body right the shield is designed to cover every part of who you are get behind the shield he's saying God he is my shield then he tells us 
He's the horn of my salvation. When you think about the horn of my salvation, it's simplifying that this, this horn represents, it's symbolic of strength, right? The horn is symbolic of strength. When you think about the horn, of course, it was an instrument that was used to sound an alarm. Or when you think about the horns of the altar, where the sacrifices were tied to the altar by, by way of the horn, listen, is described as or symbolic of strength. God, he's the horn of my salvation. So when we say he's the horn of my salvation, we're saying definition number one, my salvation is tied to God. <laughs> and you got to understand, this is why the old folks say I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in him. Huh? They understood my salvation is because of him. Uh, every time I've tried to save myself, I, I failed. I end up failing. I end up falling short. I end up coming short every single time, right? I know you don't want to be honest when you talk about every time you tried to save yourself, how you left some stuff out, how you overlooked some stuff, how you didn't pay attention to the details, how you didn't have enough information, you couldn't talk intelligent enough, right? Your, your, your communication wasn't clear where we couldn't understand it, so you couldn't even save yourself, right? It took the salvation of God. It, it took the power of God to save you. Got the, so your salvation and my salvation, it is tied to God. Why do you keep trying to untangle yourself or untie yourself from the salvation of God? Oh, because see, you got to understand, people, some people right now in their lives right now in 2023, they're making the most money they've ever made in their life. It's all about a chasing of a bag nowadays, right? And so because they got more money than they've ever had, they act like they don't need God anymore. They can live without God. Oh, but you go ahead on, Cray Cray, you go right ahead. I understand that I'm nothing without him. I cannot make it without him. I need him, right? And that's why my cry is, God, keep me. Even when I don't want to be kept, God, keep me, God. God, keep me tied to you, God. You're the reason for my salvation, God. My salvation is tied to you, God. Matter of fact, God, I would not be saved had it not been for you, God. Because you know what? I couldn't reach down in the depths that I found myself in and pull myself out. I couldn't claw my way out. I couldn't climb my way out. I couldn't dance my way out. I couldn't jump my way out. But thanks be unto God. The Bible lets us know that his hands are not too short, that he cannot reach down and say nor is his ear to heaven that he cannot hear you when you cry out to him because listen i cried out to myself and guess what i didn't have enough power or enough strength to pull myself out of the trap or pull myself out of the hole that i dug for myself but thanks be unto god god has all power to pull me out it don't matter how deep I, of a hole i dug for myself it don't matter how black it has gotten around me he has the power to reach down and pull me up out of that pit that i've dug for myself it doesn't matter how dark it is he has a much lighter to drive away all the darkness that's around me my salvation is directly tied to God he's the God of our salvation you got to understand definition number two tells us he's the strength the strength of salvation is in God the strength of your very salvation it is in God now if you find your walk and salvation becoming weak the strength of your salvation is in God. That's an indication that you're not in God like you said you are. You're not in your word like you're saying you're supposed to be. You're not in prayer like you're supposed to be. You're not in giving God a praise. You're not in worship like you're supposed to be. You're not confessing of the truth like you're supposed to be. Because the strength of your salvation, it is going to be in God. And you got to understand the Bible says he's the way and he's the truth. Anytime you want to operate outside of truth or operate outside of the way, which is faith, right? You are not operating in the strength of your salvation which is God right faith and truth are directly tied to God you got to understand and, and, and the Bible lets us know he's the life as well if your life of salvation or the strength of your salvation is not evident we know you're not in the things of God like you need to be or here come this word again there is this word called profane there is a mixing where you're mixing the things of God with the things of the world and there has to be a clear distinction right there has to be a clear clear line drawn in the sand to say listen it is holiness he said to be holy for I am holy it is going to be holy or be unholy be righteous or be unrighteous still as the Bible declares in the book of Revelation right uh, we can't be mixing the things of God with the things of this world it is profane it, it no it is profane it is wicked is what it is right it, there is no gray areas we, we tried to make it be an in-between there is no in-between it's either going to be for God or it's going to be against God is what it is and that's what you've got to come to the conclusion of that right there there is is, is, is God or is against God he said he is my shield and the horn of my salvation and my high tower he, he talks about being 
my high tower. Even when you talk about God being a high tower, it, it, it denotes a high place in God, right? A high place, a high secure place in God. Now, I don't know about you where you've been trying to, you know, get a little elevation or we call it get a little promotion in life. Because the Bible lets us know promotion doesn't come from the north, south, the east, or the west, but it comes from God. Maybe your promotion has not come because you have not allowed God to be your high tower. Where he secures you in the high place. He secures you in the promoted place. Uh, the elevated place. Uh, I'm talking about when he takes you from one dimension to the next dimension. Or takes you from one level to the next level, right? In the vertical sense. I'm not talking about, you know what I'm saying, you have a promotion, this lateral movement. But I'm talking about ascending, going upward. In the upward direction, right? Vertical. Vertical is what we're talking about. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe you have not gotten that promotion because you have not made God to be your high tower the one that secures you in the high place because we see a lot of people get promoted or, or get to the next dimension or get to the next level and they lose God they make more money and they lose God they make more money and they stop praying they, 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 they don't depend upon God anymore right but listen when you get to the high place uh, he becomes your security to secure you in the high place uh, that even though I promoted even though I've gotten elevation even though I'm no longer where I used to be I'm, I'm having more more is coming through my hand I'm able to do more I'm able to bless more be more of a blessing to more people I will not forget who I am I understand if it had not been for God and because God is my high tower I'm securing this high place I don't have to worry about falling from what they say falling from grace no because he's gonna secure me in this high place you got to understand why because he's my high tower and think about it David ascended to the throne denoting he became the highest person in all of Israel outside of God. He became the highest ranking individual outside of God. And then we'll even say outside of the high priest, right? So understand, or the prophets, but this man had rank because he was considered not just a king, but he was also declared a prophet. And we understand he operated even in the priest because he wore priestly garments, right? Uh, David was the bad somebody. He had priest-like moves, right? Orchestrated 24-7 praise and worship inside of the temple, right? At dancing out of his clothes because uh, uh, he, he was excited about God. He understood the Lord is worthy to be praised. Uh, it doesn't matter that we've been dealing with uh, famine for the last three years, uh, a war for survival. It doesn't matter that we just came out of four literal wars facing giants, right? Things from our past, but he's still worthy to be praised. Uh, this is why David is describing God in the manner that he's describing God because he said, God, the words of this song, I want you to take in consideration, God, the matter of why I'm writing the words that I'm right in describing you in the manner that I'm describing you God because you are worthy to be praised he says so you're my high tower you secure me in the high place and then he talks about you're my refuge uh, you're a safe place for me God when, 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 when all hell is breaking loose when there is turmoil when there is chaos all around God when the storms of life are raging I can find safety in you as my refuge my safe place uh, you know, some people, especially people in, 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 in relationships who got that newfound puppy love, right? They're, they're called their significant other. You're my safe place or you're, you're, you're home for me. Mm, oh, no, no, boo. You can't do that for me. Uh, the only safe place for me, it is God. It is God. He's my only home. He, he, he's, he's my only home. I love my wife. My wife is good to me. But, but she understands that she doesn't take any offense to it when I say she doesn't compare to God. She would tell me the same thing. You do not compare to God right I, I, I'm so glad that God he is our refuge he is our safe place uh, you understand we can go to God and lay our head in his bosom right and we can talk to God about any and everything that troubles and bothers us right the things that concern us he's our safe place and then he told you he's the horn of our salvation but now David is saying you're my savior Listen, I, 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 I give that position, I give that title to you, God, because listen, to be a king, to have your own army on call, mm, you got to understand, to, to have your own army on call, I'm talking about all you got to do is say the word. We've seen it when David wanted something, right, because of his position as king. Come here, Bathsheba, I want you. I don't care nothing about you, another man's uh, uh, a wife. I want you for myself. And because he was king, he 
he could do that, right? And even though he did it in a secretive manner, if, if he could now... That shows you him doing it in a secret manner. He understood what he was doing was wrong. And he still was trying to respect the protocol of God in what he was doing. In a twisted fashion, he was trying to respect the protocol of God. But I'm saying he knew he had the power to kill for what he wanted. Denoting that as a king and the authority that I have, I have an army that moves at my beck and call or at my word. I can take whatever I want. I can have whatever I want when I want it. When you have this type of power or this type of authority. See, this is why you see a lot of the 1% of the nation here in the ungodly states of America. Or the ungodly states of abomination, right? Uh, I might get in trouble. That's okay. He's my refuge. <laughs> He's my high tower. He's my shield. He's the horn of my salvation. I'm going to say these ungodly states of abomination, right? Listen, the 1% in this nation feel like they can do whatever they want when they want. They don't have to answer or have to abide by the law at times. We've seen it. We, 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 come on now. I, I honor. I do honor, but I also tell the truth. I honor, but I do tell the truth. And what we saw with, 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 with our 45th president, oh, come on here. We saw somebody who was just taking advantage or utilizing power. To his own advantage. Just doing whatever. Whenever. Because the truth be told. In his own eyes. He saw himself as his own savior. And he also saw himself as the savior. Of the ungodly states of abomination. Oh. Y'all can say what y'all want to say. But he saw himself as the savior. Of the good old US of A. Yes he did. Yes he did. Yes he did. And that's why he's rising up again. Trying to come for this office again. Because he still believes that he's the savior. Of the United States of America. He believes that his job is unfinished. Now. There were some moments that I could very well rock with him yes I did I honored him I did not talk against him talk about him put my mouth on him I honored because the Bible says to honor those who are in leadership roles not just on the spiritual side but in the natural side so I honor him now that doesn't mean I agreed with everything that he did I don't know why we here other than just to give you this example right because there were some people you believe that you're your own savior because the truth be told, you prayed about some things looking for God to save you out of something, and he didn't save you. <laughs> oh, but have you ever asked God why he didn't save you? Because see, most of you are not bold enough to ask God why. God's not afraid of your question. You're not going to surprise God when you ask God why. He's not going to fall off of the throne because you asked him why he didn't save you. That's a reason why he didn't come save you. Some things you got yourself in and you're going to have to process through that thing. You're going to have to walk through. Oh, do I have a witness? See, that's a good place to let God be praised. I, I got myself into some things and called on God, looked for God to deliver me or bring me out or come save me. He was like, uh-uh, you're going to have to process yourself. Why? Because when you process through this thing, then you're going to understand why this wasn't good for you. You're going to understand why I was telling you don't do or, or don't be associated or don't go here or don't talk or don't open yourself up to this right here. Don't, don't, don't allow yourself to be exposed to this right here. Then you're going to understand why my truth was my, my truth. What I meant when I was speaking to you. Some things, no, he's not going to come and save you out of that thing. You're going to have to walk right on through it. So that you will have an understanding and appreciation of the word of God and understand that, oh, God's word, it is right. God's word, it is true. Mm. Now, now they got this, uh, this saying. What, what's the saying in, 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 in the NBA in Philadelphia? Trust the process. <laughs> I know you don't like that. Trust the process. No, you got yourself in there. You got to trust the process that God is not coming to save you, that the process of walking through this thing is going to be good for you. It is going to be beneficial for you. 
He says, you're my savior. Thou saveth me from violence, right? Violence in the Hebrew is talking about, you save me from wrongdoing. See, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. See, when you allow God to save you, meaning before I get into God, I almost crossed that line. See, you got to pray and ask God to come save you before you cross that line. I'm right at the edge of this thing, God. I'm almost about to put my hands on this thing, God. I'm about to reach out and touch this thing, God. My eyes have seen it. Now, God, I'm about to develop a feeling in my heart about what I lusted after with my eyes, God. And if this thing does not get uprooted out of my heart, God, it's going to be lust of the flesh, God. I'm going to want to go get that thing. But before I fall into this area or this place of wrongdoing, God, be my Savior, right? Save me from this violence, God. Because you got to understand this wrongdoing, is it becomes violent against you, right? Because think about the, when, you, when the Bible talks about when you fornicate, right? Not only do you sin against God, but you sin against yourself, right? Look at the violence that is on display, right? This violent, it's a violent offense towards God, but it's also a violent offense towards your own literal physical body, right? You got to think about some of the wrongdoings that you find yourself involved in. So understand, he's saying, Thou art my Savior, save me from the violence, this wrongdoing, or save me from the cruelty. See, not just the cruelty of people, but from the cruelty of certain situations or scenarios in life, experiences in life, God. Save me from the cruelty of life at times. Because, see, life can be cruel sometimes. Oh, y'all, you know, you know, you know, uh, even the Bible tells you, uh, 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 you reap what you sow, right? So you got to be careful of the things that you're sowing. Because, see, some of the things, these violent things or cruel things that come back, it's because you sow something cruel. Oh, y'all don't want to help nobody right there, right there, right? He also says, listen, save me from the injustice. These injustices. <laughs> Think about it. Some of the women, right? It's, it's an injustice that's, that's poking you, coming against you, when, when men can't get past your, 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 your gender. Saying you can't preach because you're a woman. That's an injustice in the body of Christ. Or we found out that Sunday is the most segregated time in our country when blacks and whites cannot come together and worship together the holy God, the holy one of Israel. This is an injustice that we are committing against ourselves as the body of Christ until we all come into the unity of the faith, of the way. Get past skin color, get past gender, get past, you, you know, your academic, you know, what, what you've achieved academically, get past what you make financially. It's an injustice when we can't get past all of these barriers that we place upon people and certain groups. David is saying, listen, you're my savior. Thou savest me from this violence. Because listen, David was not born. With, with, with the riches he possessed as a king, he wasn't born into that. Like, like, see, Solomon was born into those riches. David, his daddy was a farmer. He had a couple, cow, couple sheep, a couple goats, and all of that stuff in the pasture that David took care of the animals, right? So that was not denoting that he had the money that David had as a king, which Solomon was born into. Understand? He said, you're my savior. Thou saveth me from violence. So the point is, David was not born into luxury or a life of luxury. He had to come up through the ranks, come up by way of obedience, come up by way of surrenderance, come up by way of yielding, come up by way of submitting to the Lord. And because of this, God was able to save him from the violent lifestyle. He then tells us in our last scripture, he said, I will call on the Lord. I will call on the Lord, right? Uh, on the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. He said, I will call, shout out, cry out, make a loud call to the Lord. In other words, I'm going to make myself be heard. Uh, this is not a time for me to come with this little silent prayer. I'm going, to, I'm going to speak so that I can be heard. I'm going to call on the Lord, Yahweh, who is worthy to be 
praise. And when we talk about worthy, worthy is simply saying have a sufficient worth or, or have a sufficient value or merit, having qualities worthy to be praised, right? Have a sufficient worth, value or merit, qualities worth being praised to receive one's honor, esteem or reward. David is saying you are worthy. You have sufficient worth, God. And you have merit, God, qualities that are worthy to be praised, God. And, 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 and not only that, to receive my honor, God, to receive the esteem that I give to you and to receive the reward that I give unto you. Why? Because you're worthy. I'm a David is ascribing. He said, okay, I, I give this work. I, I place this value upon me because this is what you mean to me. And you know what I'm finding now? God doesn't have the same value. When you look at the value that David has for God, in, in the eyes of David, the value of God, it is sky high. It is, it is past the sky, right? Past the moon, right? But when you compare the value or the worth that David had for God to some of other believers in God, the worth doesn't even compare. For some people, the worth that is ascribed or given to God doesn't go past their ceiling. It hasn't got past their mind. So if it hasn't got past their mind, it hasn't got past the height of who they are. <laughs> Lord, we said something right there. The worth that they've ascribed to God has not got past the height of who they are. So the value that you place upon God it's only biggest at it's, it's it the biggest it is or the largest it is is based upon your height. He said, but he is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Because I ascribe all of this worth, all of this value, reasons that I praise God. And, and, and think about all the words that he described God to us, right? He told us, he's my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. He's, he's God, my rock. He's my shield. He's the horn of my salvation. He's my high tower. He's my refuge. He's my savior. All this worth David has ascribed to God, value that he's placed upon God. He's now speaking with confidence. Though these are some of his last words, he's speaking with sure confidence, pure confidence, so Shall I be saved from my enemies? He's not questioning that. He's, he's, he's not unsure. He's, he's assured. He's certain. I shall be saved from my enemies. Why? Because he has encountered God. And when we talk about unexpectedly experienced God, the power of God, allowing David to come out of the battle when the, I'm to my, a, a giant had him in his sights, getting ready to kill him. Nothing but the intervention of God that David was still alive and made it out of the first war. That David's men were victorious in the first war. And when we tackled the next three wars, we came out victorious. Nothing but God being our savior. Are you assured today that God is your Savior? If you are, then you know that he's worthy to be praised. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. And please make sure to visit us at churchatphila.com for more podcasts and ways to connect with us on social. To like, subscribe, follow, and share content as it comes along. Special thanks to those who give in so many ways to this ministry. We could not do any of this without you. And if you want to give or be a part, visit churchaphila.com forward slash give for more information. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.